Welcome back. Because of time constraints, I have to limit the amount of time each episode is. So when I get a great episode like this one, I have to put it into two parts. So please enjoy the second part. Thank you. All right. So we're back. We were talking about the restructuring of bands, like when they break up or do whatever, right? And there's some bands like uh, Linkin Park or Deftones where they lose... Uh, a vital part of their band and they just don't <coughs> come together but uh, do you like it when they do that restructuring of the bands and just keep going excuse me I have mixed emotions about it <coughs> I think do you think the Eagles were still as good now as no. the no you know I, I saw for example I saw The Who about a week after John Entwistle died mm. I had tickets to save at the Shoreline Amphitheater up in Mountain View, and then he passed away in uh, in Vegas. And I was excited because John Entwistle, I mean, he's an integral part of their sound, his his bass playing. No one sounds like John Entwistle, you know? And uh, so I was disappointed when we lost him. Obviously, Pino Palladino, uh, was, we replaced him, was a phenomenal bass player in his own right. Um, did a great job, but it's not the same. Zach Starkey was drumming. Yeah. Um, not Yo. Keith Moon, but he's a he's, great drummer. He's, he's the best replacement of Keith Moon. That's exactly what I thought. Had. Kenny Jones replaced him, Keith Moon in the beginning yeah. after he'd passed away in the early 80s and was completely different vibe. Uh, great drummer, but he's just completely different vibe than Keith Moon. But Zach has a vibe like... like he has a moon vibe. But I felt like it was... I don't feel like I saw the who. You know, when I when I when I tell people that I saw this show, I say I, I say it more like I saw, you know, Roger, Daltrey and and, and Pete, Pete Townsend with yeah. a backup band, killing some coo, who songs. Yeah, you know, you know the, only, the who. Yeah. The only band I can think of that had a major loss like that and came back really really successful was ACDC. ACDC. Yeah. <clears throat> Somehow they yeah. managed to. Overcome the loss of your singer and became even more successful than before. Yeah. yeah, not that they wouldn't have been right had Bon Scott kept was still alive. But oh yeah, they went through the stratosphere with Brian. So yeah, they were definitely a success story. Yeah. But a lot of bands, you look at uh, after Andy Rose died, Ozzy had a hell of a time pulling it back together. Yeah, oh yeah, and there was a couple of really amazing guitar players that played yeah. with Ozzy, mm-hmm. but yeah. they got no love whatsoever because they were stepping in behind Randy and everybody was oh. heartbroken. Jakey Lee. Jesus. Think about Brad Gillis. Yeah. Stepping in weeks after, because yeah. yeah. they had a tour that they had to finish, and Brad Gillis, you know, of Night Ranger, yeah, um, was they called in to fill to to fill in Randy's spot. And if you listen to the Speak of the Devil album, the live Speak album, Speak of the Devil, yeah, man, he did a he kicked it, fantastic tour, but he got man, no he, love, he, he <laughs> no got love. no love, no love. Yeah, they had you know, he he was telling stories about people assigned, you know. You know, we miss Randy or where's Randy? Jakey Lee quit. You know, because of that. Yeah, he couldn't. He Maybe couldn't deal with it. That might have been part of it, but I, I have a feeling Ozzy and Sharon <laughs> possibly yeah, too much to deal issues. with either. Yeah, they were like her father. Lot, yeah, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> controversy about the songwriting uh, yeah. and, and people not getting the credit for yeah. the songs, like on the first two albums. Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslake were the bassist and the drummer. Drummer, yeah. And Bob Daisley was a great songwriter. And yeah. he, he 
if you can believe whatever you read, you know, mm. um, his side is he wrote a lot of that shit. And so other yeah. people said the same thing. He yeah. wrote he wrote a lot of the stuff that made Blizzard. it to the Blizzard of Oz yeah. album and and uh, lyric wise and you know melody wise. He got no credit for it. Yeah, I think Sharon you know? had a lot to do with that. Yeah. No, I'm sure. Yeah. She was running everything. Yeah. Ozzy was busy yeah. being drunk out of well, his fucking mind. Better yeah. her than her father. <laughs> along for the show, along yeah. for the ride. Better her than her father. What was her father like? He, from what I understand and what I've read and what I've heard, he almost rode them into the ground as far as Black Sabbath was concerned. But I was don't he, really he know. He was the manager or something? Yeah, he took a lot. Don Arden? Yeah. He took a lot from that band that you know, should have went to the band. Yeah. You know, but do. that's, that's you know, do. back then that was the game. Yeah. You know, you get a producer, he pays for everything, and then he gets everything. Yeah. You know, that's the way it was back then. Yeah, because these bands didn't really have, a lot they of bands. They didn't have nothing whenever yeah, they, they have, went when, in. When, when they start, they have nothing. All they have is the talent. You know why Black Sabbath, Tony Iommi, took Ozzy on? Uh, Tony Iommi used to, from what I read, I know what. he used to he used to bully him in school, Ozzy Osbourne. But Ozzy Osbourne had a PA system. Yep. <laughs> he was the only kid that had a PA system yeah. in their high school, and that's when they started using him to to sing for their band. And that was before they were Black Sabbath. Mm. Which who are they? Earth. Earth. <laughs> Who you asking? <laughs> you taught me that shit. While he was in Earth, <laughs> yeah. Tony Ioli, what band did he, uh, did he play with for a few weeks? <laughs> I can't oh. remember. Jethro Tull. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Yeah, Jethro yeah. Tull for just a few uh, weeks. Just a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, didn't quite work out, man. Well, he, yeah, he was, he didn't the moment. feel like That doesn't was, sound The good. chemistry wasn't quite there, but <laughs> yeah. there's actually, there's only one... It's not even really a recording of him. Um, they they did. You remember the Rolling Stones uh, Rock and Roll Circus? Mm-hmm. That event. Yeah. That occurred in like sixty. The magazine or whatever. Yeah. You know, no, 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 not the magazine. It was like this event. Oh, event. oh yeah, it was yeah, a concert, okay. but it wasn't really live. Tony was. They played a song, and Tony played on it, but he didn't play on it. He <laughs> he he mined the movements. The only Kinda thing like that was live was or... the vocals and the flute. Keith Moon, but he <laughs> he uh, he mined the guitar parts to a, to a song, yeah. Mm. So he never made it on a record, but he actually played with them for a few weeks and realized now nah, it's not the right band for me. And Black Sabbath was starting to Earth was starting to take off. Yeah, that's crazy, man. About the only the success the successful band that did that was Corn, right? Because they changed the drummer, and they still. That Ray Lazar yeah. is awesome as a drummer. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, he's better than the original guy. I, don't, I forgot his name. What was it? David. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ray Lazar is highly respected in the hard rock metal drum community. Yeah. It's it's sad to say though that you fans can... focus on the singer, yeah. the guitar player, who are the front people. They tend to not have a clue who the hell the drummer and the bass player even is. And changing a drummer really doesn't, unless the sound changes drastically, doesn't really affect the average fan because they don't know enough about the band. True. Whereas musicians and people who are really hardcore about music, of course, will know the name of the drummer. Yeah, yeah. It's like Cliff Burton. Yeah. I mean, look look at Journey. Yeah. You know, for example. 
you know, they've changed singers since Steve Perry left, mm-hmm. you know, a couple times. A few times, you know, yeah. So what do you call them? To me, I call them a tribute band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now it's just, you got Neil Sean, the only yeah. original guy left. You know? Yeah. Um, what do you think about Van Halen nowadays? Well, well, there's nothing nowadays. Yeah. Wolfgang? <laughs> there's nothing. There's after Wolfgang. after they changed. Huh? After they, they, they had a change. Oh, well, you mean, you mean with the, yeah. that, that was, they had a couple of singer changes. Yeah, that they was a did. rough transition Gary there. Sinise. They did, yeah. The, the fans Gary, that loved Van Halen with Roth were absolutely freaking pissed whenever Roth got fired. Mm-hmm. And then they had uh, a couple of singers that they dealt with there, which had no traction whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, Cerrone, who Cerrone. was the guy from uh, Extreme. 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 Yeah. Gary Cerrone. Amazing. He did, he did one, yeah, Gary Cerrone did one mm-hmm. album yeah. with him. Really good mm-hmm. singer, but actually it's a good album, but he got yeah. no credit. Yeah, because yeah. No. It, everybody was still pissed. When Sammy Hagar came along, he had enough of his own credibility yes. to to bridge the gap. And then, of course, yeah. the music they were playing then they had a whole different fan base. Yeah, yeah. By that point, because it's totally different music. You know, it's kind of like uh, Metallica. You have good Metallica, and then you have modern Metallica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they became a different band, and. They became incredibly popular with a whole new <laughs> group yeah. of fans. Yeah. At the same time, they left a whole shitload of fans behind that were like, yeah, that's not Metallica anymore. Nobody even knows I who Dave is. 100% agree. After the Black Album, for me, they were mm-hmm. done. Yeah, they became too commercial. It's too uh, yeah. Well, I mean, too low, they, they everybody to, has to make money, man. Well, every, <laughs> every band has to do it. <laughs> I guess if, the, if, if a band is going to span decades. Yes, they have if to. You all, if, you all, if a band is only going to span well, one decade, you can stick to your style yes. and not change. There's, There's only slavery. one but band. But if you want to span decades, yeah. you're going to have to mold a little bit. Rush did it Unless you're ACDC. ACDC did it somewhat. Forever. But the same style. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Slayer. But I... Mm. Slayer. <laughs> oh, man. It's my favorite metal band. Slayer's been around forever, Slayer. and they've always sounded exactly they've, like Yeah, yeah. they've <laughs> never changed. But they don't, they don't bring in a new fan base, yeah, necessarily. Yeah. You know, no. Rush, Rush molded with the times. Yes, they did. As much as just about any band. Yeah. The 80s... To me, killed a lot of seventies bands. Mm-hmm. I don't think Led Zeppelin would have survived no. the eighties. No. I don't think it, they would I mean, have gone any further. You know, Bonham would have would have not passed away. I, I don't know how they would have molded into the eighties because I don't like what Robert Plant became. No, you know, no. in the eighties, his sol- his his solo stuff. If, to was, me, if anything, didn't else, do it at all for me. With Bonham, Bonham evolved. Bonham evolved more than all of them, in my opinion, because. I mean, you listen to like "Fool in the Rain." Yeah, that's nothing he ever did before. No, that was a complete... that was that was completely different, and it was so much. Oh my God, it was fantastic. That was the purdy. It really shuffle. was. It was a shuffle yeah, that, that was the nobody shuffle. ever done before. Yeah. Well, they were a very amazing. inventive band. Absolutely, honest. they were. They were before they In were a time. band. Would they have survived the eighties? Probably not. I, I I don't think the eighties would have been kind of less. But it wouldn't. Have, In the I would they were to in, them. They were able to do. Well, it. I would, I would sure. listen to them. Well, yeah. I mean, I was as big a Rush fan as you could possibly find on this planet. Yeah. And when Signals came yeah. out, <laughs> I switched. Yeah, I'm right with that one. I, I love you guys. I, I didn't like the way they started looking because they wanted to mold with the eighties. Yeah, I know. You know, the keyboards became prevalent. The mullet. <laughs> the mullets, the raccoon's nest on top yeah. of Kitty's forehead. I mean, the whole uh, look and the yeah, sound yeah. was just, 
know, just, I, I, you know, I'm gonna listen to Xanadu. Well, I love Get Getty had everything to do with that, though. Yeah, yeah. If you, well, if you look at all the interviews, and oh, he did. Yeah, he was <laughs> all about that They're, shit. Alex was like, okay, well, we'll just do whatever the hell you tell me, but yeah. <laughs> I don't like, really like where we're going here. When did the keyboard become fantastic. more important than the guitar? Yeah. You know? yeah. I thought Signals was great. Well, it had some of the best Signals songs was, that I heard. It was a I good like album. it now. Yeah, but at the time, I was, I was a purist. Of course purist not. With Rush, I was, yeah. at the time, yeah. I was a purist with Rush. Yeah. And when Signals came out, it was just too stark of a change yeah. for me to follow. So oh, yeah. I, I had the same problem. I abandoned them. For yeah. for really for almost I'm, decades. I'm probably looking more at it like now, not at the time. Oh yeah, now so, I couldn't. Even I like name. signals a lot. Digital Man is yeah. A, yeah, you know the Animal Free Kid. Will. Great oh my God, songs. I couldn't even name an album after that. To be honest with you, I pretty much. I can name everyone. Yeah. Well, I know you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> nothing is important. Truth. You you are a complete addict when it comes yeah, to this. Yeah, that's up to that because I like I them now. Works. I've learned to appreciate them. I yeah. would. Mm, I, I got the, I got the, the 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 benefit of time. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've evolved my listening things. pleasures. So I've like I had a friend who was a Rush fan. He said, "No, you should go back and listen to Counterparts. You yeah, should you yeah. should listen to Test for Echo." Because I had abandoned all that middle period. Sure. Oh my God! And then Vapor Trails came out. And I'm like, I kind of <laughs> like Vapor Trails. You know? Yeah. That's kind of a good album and. And he's like, well, you should listen to these two albums, Counterparts and Test for Echo. Yeah. And I went back and I listened to them. I'm like, wow, those are actually good fucking records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. just such a stark change from... It was. You, you, you had the band that you fell in love with, and all of a sudden the band abandoned you. Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah, was yeah. For a lot of young people, huh? Yeah, it yeah. was. And as you get older, you, you, you learn to appreciate a lot more. Like when I was a... I said earlier on, I started out with country, and then I got into rock and roll. And when I got yeah. into rock and roll, that's all I wanted to hear. I didn't want to hear anything else. Yeah. Jazz, screw that shit. I yeah. sold people music. Like I want to hear rock and roll. As I got older, then I went back and started listening to the jazz. Well, a friend of mine turned me on to Al Dumiola early yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And I got into that. I mean, guitar player. <laughs> but uh, Fantastic stuff. As time went yeah. on, I, I, I got into the jazz, the old jazz, the new jazz. Yeah. I got into yeah. the classical. I got into every kind of music you can imagine. I hell, listen to Mexican music and I love it. It's just music. It's music. Bum, bum, yeah. bum, music is not... Bum, bum. It's a universal language. <laughs> well, it's it's, you know, it's really music, is. and yeah, there are types of music you're not going to like as much as you like other music. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would never disrespect any form of music, even the super crazy yeah. freaking death metal stuff. I don't really care to listen the Norwegians. to Norwegians, but, but I respect. I respect yeah. But yeah. I respect the musicianship and 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 the that this is the music that makes it for them. It doesn't mean it's my favorite music, but I won't disrespect it. Right, right. Uh, any more than I would rap or any other form of music. There's I, some. I will never put on an opera record. Yeah. But I respect the hell out of it. Yeah. The, the, I like to go to an opera. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I but I can't throw on, you know, an opera record. And I love classical music, yeah. but I I can't listen to an opera record for some reason. Yeah. What 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 I've discovered in my older age is I look back at all this music and everything is, to really truly enjoy any music you have to have the right equipment so that you can actually reproduce it correctly. Uh, because the true enjoyment of music for me is I sit back on the couch, turn on the stereo, close my eyes, have a drink handy, and just listen. And try to listen to every part of it. And you'll listen to the same song. I listen to the same song 10, 15, 20 times because the first time I listen to it, I'm hearing the vocals. And I'm focused on that, and I'm following the vocal melody and the, the overall theme of the song. Then I'll come back and listen to it again, and I'll focus on the guitar, and I'll listen to all the intricacies of what that person's doing. 
then I'll go back and listen to it again, and I'll focus on the bass and what the bass is doing or the keyboard or the drums. And every time, every journey, every time I listen to the same song, I hear a different thing because I'm listening. Mm. You can't really focus on the whole damn thing at the same time. It actually break it down listening to different parts and focusing on different parts. And uh, shit, nuance is the Beatles. You can say whatever you want about sound yeah. engineering and all the, the, the tricks of the trade and everything that are applied to albums, but nobody does it has ever done it any better than what the Beatles does. If you the sit down first. and listen to the Beatles albums, I mean, with a good stereo and just focus on the music, there's so much going on. It's not cluttered, but there's just little odd sounds and bells yeah, and whistles yeah. and things are on the right side, they're on the left side, they're back yeah. in the middle, and it's yeah. just, they, they did stuff with audio that no it's hardly even hard to imagine how the hell they did it back then with the equipment they had. They, they yeah. revolutionized the whole industry. They Eight really track did. was yeah. huge yeah. to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Eight it was. track. Yeah, it was. Well, there was for a brief period of time quadraphonic stereo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's uh, quadraphonic? Four channels. Uh-huh. Uh, it was actually became a thing for a while. It didn't make it very far. Quadraphonic. But there were uh, albums that were recorded in instead of stereo two speakers. They actually recorded At four. Four. Yeah. Now everybody's going to Atmos, which you can do some pretty cool shit with that. But, but yeah, four channel sound. I had a friend, a guy I knew that actually had one of these receivers with four channels, and some of the albums or the tapes to play with them. He even had a little scope that you know, little lights and shit. You could go, wow, look at the lights. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it was amazing what the Beatles did though with. But they started out with mono, yeah. one freaking channel. That's all they had. Mono. When stereo came out, they said, oh, "We're gonna play. We're gonna have fun with this shit." <laughs> play the shit and out they, of this They stuff. fucking did, man. You listen yeah. to albums and the way things are mixed nowadays. Everything they it, there's an industry standard that you have to have everything available on the less channel. So if somebody is listening to mono, they hear the whole song. And then stereo, you can do extra shit on the right side. They didn't give a shit. They they put the vocal over here on the right, and they put the bass over here on the left, and the drums were somewhere in the middle, and you know if you didn't have both channels, you weren't hearing the whole song because half the damn song was on the other channel. And it was before the industry did their little voodoo to it, but it's fucking amazing to sit there and just close your eyes and just kick back and listen to that and have a little Jack and Coke or some shit. Yeah, it's fucking with a good stereo. It's like uh, talking about Pantera or Corn. You want to listen to bands like that? To really appreciate the band like that, you need a stereo with a big fucking sub under it because yeah. those bands started coming out, you know, older music, they didn't have those super low frequency sounds. But when Korn and bands like that came out, they, they got tones in there that go down to 20 hertz. So you need a big ass fucking sub over there so you can feel you hear the it, music. Feel it. And just listening to it on a car stereo driving down the freeway, it's not the same thing. You need that. Depending on the car stereo. You need it in your face with the big stereo and plenty of volume. When you uh, appreciate it. Not when everybody has that luxury, though. Yeah. Well, true. I can appreciate mu- music in my car stereo. Uh, most 90% well, of my music listening is in my car stereo. I listen you know to a lot of music in my car stereo, and I have a good car uh, stereo. But the but true... The best way, the yeah. best way to hear it shit yeah. is, is in headphones. Headphones are nothing else, else to, to destroy, yeah. you know, but... I still like the punch in the gut yeah, from the yeah. kick. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. When you got an 18-inch sub with a couple thousand watts, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. When Korn did, don't have that. When Korn did the, the cover for The Wall. Yeah, another version of The Wall, right? Yeah. The little different in, in, intricacies that they have going on. on I the love that cover. Fucking 
pretty badass. I've only I've seen them five times live. They've only done that cover once, and that was in Bakersfield. Yeah, uh, where they're from. Yeah, but yeah, that was a phenomenal cover. As yeah. they put yeah. it, the mean streets of Bakersfield. The mean streets. Uh, <laughs> as as Corn put it on their album cover, the mean streets of Bakersfield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like walk the streets of Bakersfield. <laughs> <laughs> You guys get into uh, any of the '90s bands like uh, Deftones or stuff like that? I've seen Deftones live. Yeah, I saw them live. Yeah. I, I like them. They had one, two songs that I liked, and yeah. then it got repetitive. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't listen to a lot of <coughs> the, the '80s or the excuse me, the '90s bands that I listen to. God, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. You know, good. I listen to. And I don't even call them grunge, but like Stone Temple Pilots, I I I, I still I enjoy. Um, Staying Alice in Chains, you know. I mean, they're in that grunge era. I'm not a big Nirvana fan. They have like two or three songs that I'm like, okay, I, you know, I, I dig them, but I I don't listen. I don't I don't gravitate towards that kind of music so much when I want to listen to stuff. Um, I don't. I don't listen to Nirvana. It's like punk for me. Huh? It's like punk for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I understand and respect that people enjoy the music, and, and, you know, I got guys in the shop that are big fans of punk music, but... I'm not a big punk guy either. The problem I always had with punk is I always thought the musicians should actually be able to play their instruments, and that that was yeah. why I got hung up on that. That's what I said earlier. I, <laughs> I happen to enjoy... Can you at least tune it? A musician yeah. can play his instrument, you know? Whether so, it's a drum solo, whether it's a keyboard solo, I can listen to... I can listen to keyboards all day long, just a guy playing Debussy or Bach or Beethoven or, you know, whatever. Um, a bass solo. I love a guy, I love musicians that play their instruments. Al Demiola, that's why I like yeah. him so much, because the guy can play the hell out of his instrument. And everybody. Joe Satriani, you know, I mean, yeah. God, they play the hell out of their instrument. They know it back, from the top to the bottom. Go yeah. back to the subject of guitar players, how about Roy Clark? Oh, oh yeah. God. Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> I don't care what genre. Roy Clark was a phenomenal player. I was watching him play uh on YouTube the other day. I was watching Roy Clark play a song and it was it had a Hispanic title. I cannot remember which one it was. It was about a woman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I just I just sat there and watched it and I'm he like he rips I can't up. stop. I gotta yeah. keep watching yeah. this. And, and he smiling the whole damn time. He, so a huge freaking smile. The guy he just was, loved music. He was one of the yeah. of my time when I was that in, in that time yeah. frame, age that young. He was probably one of the most influential guys. Glenn Campbell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Glenn Campbell oh, Glenn was Campbell's a ripper. Amazing. He's he was a he was a lineman from the county. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I mean, the guy he's, was he's, fantastic. Yeah, he's known as like the rhinestone cowboy yeah. kind of stuff, but that's yeah. that's not that's good. not what he started. But when you actually see him play, yeah, session songs. When you see him actually play and get that's down another the thing that you never hear about on anything is people like all the people that play with Steely Dan. Mm. Oh yeah, they were all Steely session Dan musicians, and they were so. Yeah. I mean, so good at what they did. Steely Dan wasn't were, a band. No, it wasn't a band. They were two guys. Yeah, it was two And a whole dudes. bunch of session guys. And everybody and then, else was session. And then they didn't have a backing yeah. band to play yeah. their stuff live. Yeah. But they weren't never some of just the best, a band. Some of the best people were the people that they come told to come do this one song. Just do the background vocals on this. Yeah. Or or, yeah. or do the, you know, any, any little piece. Because they wanted that piece to be... Right here, 
in, in the middle of the whole song. You know, and, and they were just good at what they did when it came to picking the right people to do yeah. all that stuff. I prefer a band, though. I do, too. I prefer bands. You know, I mean, and, like, it's like Toto. Led Zeppelin could have brought in yeah. different people to play Absolutely. different parts, but I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. not Led Zeppelin. I agree. Yeah, when you they're know, I, I like they stopped. But when you're done. talking about something that gets played on the radio, yeah, it, it, it makes a big difference. Um, I, I'm the same way. I, I want to see you do it live. Yeah. That's what I want to see. I but, like the band that's in the studio to be on the stage. And, and a, yeah. a band that was really good at that was Toto. Oh, Toto yeah. was really well, good at that. They were real professional. They, they were, were all yeah. professional instrumentalists and musicians. Well, you got you got the, the two sides of things. You got bands that perform incredibly well mm-hmm. and suck in the studio. Yeah. yeah, and then you got bands that are just <laughs> freaking cars. amazing in the studio, and <laughs> yeah, can't get no their shit together yeah, on stage. Had, the cars had yeah. no energy, and it's, it's not that any oh, one of those groups are, are less talented or or less innovative or whatever. It's just they're really good at one thing or the other, and some bands have the luck of being good at both, like Rush. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Rush recorded amazing shit, and then they got on stage and did exactly the same fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they didn't yeah. they didn't improvise a lot. Yeah, no. Pantera. Yeah. Again, I'm a big Pantera fan, but yeah. they recorded great albums, and then when they got on stage, Dimebag played every freaking note on every solo and every song exactly yeah. like he did on the album. He yeah. never missed a freaking note because he was fucking that good. But mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot Iron of guitar. Maiden. Yeah, Iron yeah, Maiden. Yeah. Great in the studio. Oh great, my God. Great on yeah. stage. Yeah, yeah. Who was the best on stage? Who was the best on stage? Well, War? that depends on who you talk to. <laughs> War? Yeah. You, are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're asking me? It's Rush. I could tell you, the uh, I've seen a lot of bands on stage. One of the best bands. The I ever saw, one of the best bands I ever saw on stage was Huey Lewis and the News. Really? Yeah, because, because they were tight. Yeah. They were tight. Of course, Rush is tight. I, I can't I can't say anything bad about them at all. I've only seen them one time, and and the time that I saw them, I sucked it in. I loved it. I was so happy. My mom paid tickets for me when I went home to see it with my brother and his son. And I'm like, you saw I went to the, the Clockwork uh, Angels. Clockwork story, Angels. Huh? Yeah. And, and when I went to the bathroom, there were little kids. Everybody from old folks to little kids going yeah. there to watch that shit. And I was yeah. so inspired. I'm like, this is That's great. something that's changed a lot. Yeah. In the 70s, you never saw a kid at a no. concert. No. I was so amazed. I'm like, yeah. oh, God, this is great. Best best concert I ever went to. Yeah. You know? Because Probably. I was with my brother and his child. Wow. Probably one of the best shows I ever saw, and this is gonna be a little sideways compared to the our rock rock and roll theme, is was the Bar Case. I did we did several shows with them when I was working for Murray Hill Sound. And what I learned about the black acts like that is they put on a show. They don't just get up there and stand there. They get up there and they do stuff. And the Barquets, which were just a super nice group of guys anyways, they were super cool to me. It was really crazy because they, I mean, these guys would light cymbals on fire. The lead singer would come out with a freaking python around his neck, you know, which is really unusual for black Show. guys because they usually don't like snakes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they put... The pythons between the legs. <laughs> they got out there and they put on... You, you knew that you paid for a show, you know. That's it wasn't, awesome. And that, yeah. I love those guys. They were really nice guys, too. Yeah, um, yeah there's a... I can't remember the name. Uh, there's a percussionist who played with Benny Goodman's orchestra. 
Play with who? Lionel Hampton. Lionel Hampton. I know who that is. A lot of people would have no idea. He's, he's for, we're talking Benny Goodman, big orchestra, big band, time frame. Yeah. Uh, I actually did sound sound for him at uh, the Pate Museum in uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a big ballroom, and they liked the the ballroom music and shit. You know, they're older people, and they really enjoyed it. And they brought this guy in. He's probably eighty three years old. He comes in there and puts on just a fucking crazy, amazing, good show. The guy was. Just incredibly, you could tell this guy absolutely loved music and performing in front of people. And uh, the band that was with him were, I mean, they were just incredible every day. One of them, I still got a, uh, a flyer from that show with uh, his signature and the bass player's signature because the, the bass player with the stand up was <laughs> kicking it. And so I went up and talked to him, bullshit with him. But this is a guy that, you know, he played with Benny Goodman, and I mean, he's in movies and shit. You were back in the 40s. Black and whites. Uh, yeah, black yeah. and white movies. And mm-hmm. you'll see him in there. Uh, I forget the one scene in the movie, but there's a bunch of musicians. They're all hanging around, and they've been working on stuff. And they bring this guy in, which is Benny Goodman. But they're yeah. acting like he's some, they called him Professor. The street. They yeah. always called him Professor, but he was the white guy. You know, he was the, the tight collar professor. And he was, yeah. well, you should come in here and try this. And then Benny Goodman and would be over there, you know, and he's all straight laced and everything, and then you got uh, all these guys back there in the back, jazz musicians and shit, and they're like, well, let's just, just try to play along with this, you know, and they start, <laughs> and then he was doing the xylophone and doing all the shit, and then fucking Benny Goodman hit it with the fucking clarinet, and mm. uh, but that was just fucking amazing stuff, and the, the, the shows, I mean, those guys didn't screw around, they put on a fucking show, you had to, I mean, you're talking about, remember, you know, musicals and shit like that, I mean, these are big, giant productions, not like nowadays where you get three guys get up on stage and stand there stare at you and then storm the guitar. James you. Brown, too, right? James Brown. Oh, God, James around. Brown. King of rock and roll. You can say what you want, but African-American music, I mean, when they come up and put on a show, you're not going to get some guy standing there. No, you're going to be moving. <laughs> yeah. The old the old days, especially, you know, James Brown and stuff like that, you're talking about, power, you know, the power. horn sections. You got, yeah. You know, Eight guys over here with horns playing and shit, and everybody's doing a dance step and everything synchronized. Yeah. And, oh my god! It's a man. show, show. That's a it's show. It's like a Broadway show. Yeah. What's her name? The singer Tina Turner. Turner. Tina Turner. Oh yeah. my god! What an amazing. Uh, I can Tina. I can Tina. <laughs> yeah. And that woman, I saw her. Of course, you know, this is a long time ago, but when she was in her like sixties, and she freaking tore it up. The energy that woman put into a show yeah. was incredible. Of course, you could say the same thing about Iron Maiden, Bruce Dickinson. That dude, you can't yeah, stop that dude. Yeah. He's not exactly young Just anymore. The pilot, the pilot, Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. <laughs> he flies the plane to get him there, and then gets on the stage and runs around like a madman for freaking two hours. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's very renowned for a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, fencing, yeah. F1, yes. car driving. Yeah. Ted, driver. Ted Nugent. He's a yeah. great bull hunter. He's oh, yeah, yeah. He's I don't know. I've never been hunting work. NRA. Yeah. Just does it all kinds. There's of a lot of things. and people like that. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. I mentioned earlier how you talk too damn much at the show, which I absolutely mm-hmm. agree with because I want to hear the fucking music. You know, if I want to listen to his politics, I can go do that somewhere else. But absolutely, and if you do take the time to listen to him between his crazy rants, he does actually have some sensible information sometimes. Yeah. He made a big thing about, he's talking about uh, the vegans and stuff like that. And he says, <laughs> in order to feed vegans, we have to have this field and we're going to grow these vegetables here. 
But what most people don't realize is you have to kill pretty much everything on that fucking plot of land. Yeah. You know, no rodents, no bugs. We got to get rid of all that shit. We'll kill all that stuff off so you can have your freaking asparagus or your avocados or whatever the hell you want. Yeah. He says, when I go out and kill something, I'm going to eat the damn thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of. Uh, you can't grill it until you kill it. You yeah. can't grill it until you kill it. <laughs> you said that one time too. Yeah. So. You like, said it reminds you of what? A comedian. I, I'm trying to think of his damn name. That's why I stopped. <laughs> uh, I saw him uh, before he, six months before he died at the palace. Sam Kennison? No, 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 no. He did the very first, he did the very first, he hosted the very first Saturday Night Live. Oh, George Carlin. George Carlin. Ah, yeah. I saw George him, I, I saw him, and they talk a lot alike, um, him and, him and, uh, fucking Gonzo. That's really weird, because they George Carlin was a very liberal person. He was, but things he change over sensible. time. He was also a very sensible person. Over time... You will watch the Republican. This is just, I'm just going to say this and I'm not going to say anything else. The Republican and Democrat lines change over time. They always have and I think they always will. Well, I think the difference in that example. Here's another podcast. Here we, here we go to the fucking politics. I don't want to get it. That's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's another podcast. But just to say, just to wrap that one up, is that common sense is actually the the. the Denominator we're talking about. Don George Carlin Don had very a lot of common sense. He did. He was a very liberal person, but he wasn't mm -hmm. uh, so convicted to it that he would step over his, uh, yeah. become stupid to promote it. Yeah. Common yeah. sense is the common binder between the two sides. I'll say this: when I watched him at the palace, um, he did his rant talking about stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about, um, and. The man was six months away from death, and he nailed it. He, he, it's not like he missed. I, I listened to him talk, and he, you know how he starts talking real fast? And he did that, and I'm like, other people's stuff and his stuff, and some people's stuff shit. Other people's stuff shit, and his, his things are stuff. And he went through all that stuff and didn't miss a beat. The guy's brain was like locked in, and there was nothing wrong with him. And since six months later, he was gone. He's like that. He was. He was an amazing comedian. He was out at the palace. At the palace, yeah. Really? I don't right before he died. He was Do you guys have you guys heard of any bands recently that are just coming out or whatever that are really good? Metal, new metal, any kind of anything. The biggest problem right now in music. I, I, yeah, but I'm just gonna say the biggest problem for me in music right now is, like anybody else, you tend to get stuck in your era, and then it's really hard to dig out into the newer stuff. But there's so damn much of it now. You know, in the old days, people made records, and it cost money and time to do that. So you had a limited selection of bands who had made it to that point. Nowadays, any schmuck can go record something in their living room, put it on YouTube or Spotify or any other damn service podcast. There's there's literally yeah, and there's literally just billions and billions of incredibly talented, amazing people out there yeah. who are producing stuff and putting it out on the internet. It's so freaking hard to distinguish because there's so many choices. Uh, there's amazing, incredible musicians out there nowadays. Uh, hell, 
I know it's not exactly new, but Bruno Mars, uh, a totally different genre of music than what I normally get into. But man, I respect the man's oh, talent. He's a funky motherfucker. Oh, he is good as hell. Yeah. I mean, he puts on a show. I like, I like. Well, he's got an incredible yeah. voice. He 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 puts on a good show, like you said. He kind of emulates the James Brown era. Exactly. Too. Yeah, he, yeah, he yeah, actually much. has that thing. Entertainer channels James Brown. Yeah. Sure. Entertainer. But there, yeah, and that's a little old compared to what you're talking about. I mean, but still, there, there's incredible musicians out there. It's sometimes hard to to single them out because yeah. there's so much stuff out there. And great musicians don't necessarily equate to great music. songs, great music. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of my fit, you know, there's a lot of great guitar players that don't necessarily write. I, I love Zach Wilde. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't dig his songs that much, but I think he's a fantastic guitar player. Talented. He, Al Demiola, I've read interviews with him. Al Demiola is a big influence. He likes chicken picking. He likes, uh, yeah. you know, he likes country music. He's yeah. uh, all that, but he's a great guitar player. And I've seen him seven times live, and he commands the stage. You know, he's, he's fan- I've seen him with Ozzy, and I've seen him with his Black Label Society. Mm-hmm. And he's a great guitar player, but his solo stuff, I don't know. Some of it's I don't dig his songs that much, to be mm-hmm. honest. 1918 Eternal, I thought was pretty good. That, huh? album, that mm-hmm. album, 1918 Eternal, yeah, mm-hmm. I thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, just, I'm just speaking for me. Yeah, uh, I, I don't necessarily. Think no, I, I totally do. understand what you're saying. You know, you were at, you were asking about newer stuff. I mean, I I just went, you know, in October to uh, that festival in, in Sacramento, and there was a forty bands. You know, at this aftershock festival, and there was tons of great young bands on stage just performing this. You know, most of it's metal. You don't, but but it never makes the radio. It's not popular. It's like Underground. our kind of rock and roll, you know, where our sensibilities lie is, I don't want to say it's dead, but it's not thriving. It's rock not and roll that. is not thriving. Metal's still out there, but it's, but it's narrow, you know. You get the pie of music, and it's, it's, it's a sliver of it, you know. Now it's all... Beyonce and pink and pop and hip hop and well. you know and that's <laughs> fine, but as far as just straight up straight up rock and roll, it's hard to find it nowadays. You know? I think the problem lies in that rock and roll like that has always been a bit underground, and it still exists. It's just not you're not going to hear it on the radio, right? It's, exactly. It's not mainstream. It's not popular. So the bands I saw at Aftershock, you you don't hear them on the radio. Yeah. Yeah, and to be honest, I can't. I can only remember a couple of them. I mean, Kiss was there, Dancing was there, but they're old bands. Yeah, you know, Kiss is they're they're done. That was their. I really truly think, <laughs> truly think, <laughs> this time this was their last tour as Kiss. I really do. think It depends that. on how you define Kiss because they're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. hiring a group of people and have they them already yeah. they already done it. Yeah, yeah. Already so, well, there, there was only two guys left. Yeah, there was Paul only, and Gene are the only yeah. two guys left that are original. The drummer, Gene, the Gene, about player, to up there. But Eric Singer's the drummer. He's been with them for he's decades. Been a long time. Decades. Yeah, Tommy Thayer, the guitarist, has been there seen him for too. quite a while. Yeah. But they're they're dressed up in the old. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ace Frehley and he's still the space man, but he's like Ace Frehley was a shorter kind of chunkier mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. and this guy's tall and skinny and like that's not Ace that's not, right? that's not the space man <laughs> you know Peter, the drummer Eric Singer he's in the back you can barely see yeah, him yeah. he's got the cat man he's, he's really stuff. good too he's, he's a really he's good excellent. guitar player oh he's a better drummer than drummer. Peter Chris yeah. was but nothing that's yeah. relevant 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Peter Chris was it's a show. A drummer. It's a show, and that's what yeah. they're gonna continue and they put on to a phenomenal push show. that as. Yes, they do. They put up. Just I what advise, I saw this last October. I advise anyone to go see them. When I saw, I did, I had my daughter with me. Yeah. And uh, and after the show was all over, I said, you know, would you take a kiss? And she said that was actually very entertaining. Yeah. I said, well. You know, you're like one of the last generations that can say, I saw Kiss yeah. live. Mm-hmm. You know, you should cherish that mm-hmm. because you saw Kiss live. Absolutely. And the show was was everything that they do. Yeah. Gene did his, you know, they the did blood, Firehouse and, the fire, and he yeah. breathed fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did uh, God of Thunder yeah. and he spit blood. Spit blood, yeah. You know, Paul got on this thing and he went all, all the way around the crowd yeah, yeah, yeah. and the crowd went nuts. And yeah. And there was all the explosions, and it was a, it was a bombastic yeah. presentation, just like you know. So you it, back in the old days, but yeah. it's done. Yeah. I think they're done. I believe that they'll make money off of it even after this year. I, I from well, what they, I've understood, from they what will. I've understood, they're going to have other people play their parts. I've heard that too, but yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll see. We'll see. I think they'll still make good money I, off I of it. I think they'll, they'll still merchandise their stuff. Well, yeah. look at Rush. And it, it Rush, was, I mean, not to yeah. let's go back to Rush, but yeah. Rush is just now coming out with a 40th anniversary uh, compilation of Signals. Yeah. Remastered, a whole package. Yeah. They're, they're actually, Rush is a... Commercializing. Yeah. They've got some Gene... Gene Simmons yeah, some blood in they there. commercialize a lot. I know. They're I constantly repackaging old stuff and sending, you know, it's remastered. And now you get this little box set with a, maybe a t-shirt and that doesn't fit you. And, <laughs> you know. I don't know how much I'm that's. A, I'm a quad X guy and I'll get a t-shirt that's like extra large. I'm like. I'm always shopping for Tony. I don't know why. It's going to fit me. It's so hard to I don't to know how, how much of that's the band and how much of it's the record label. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah it's label. not all the band. I mean, the yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's just the band, but I'm just saying that Rush, the Rush brand is still repackaging their shit. We were talking about Kiss. Uh, probably, I think they're done. But oh, yeah. they're going to repackage a lot of stuff. We'll probably sure. see, you know, Dress to Kill and Hotter Than Hell all remastered and... I, lo- I love that. I love that remastered. remastered thing that cracks me up. Having actually done studio recording and mastering, <clears throat> I find it amusing when they talk about remastering stuff. Most people have no idea what, what does it mean. You tell me what exactly does it mean to remaster an album? You just clean up the sound a little bit to make it sound a little different. I don't. Remastering or remixing, isn't there? Remastering. It's a yeah. remastering. There's yeah. a lot of remastering. So, remixing is a different thing. Huh? The studio process, you go in and you record the album, multi-track, and you mix that down into a song that sounds good. And you get everything the way you want it, the stuff where you want it. Then you take that and you turn it over to an entirely different person who was called a mastering engineer. And they take this now stereo track, just similar to what you would buy from the record store, but then they go in and they play with it and they add compression and they mess around with the equalization and everything else to give it width and make it sound deeper and fuller and, and to make sure the level is consistent so that when you put in one album or another, they have more or less the same level of sound. And of course, there's a big push for how much volume you can get out of it and so on and so forth without distorting anything. But that's the mastering process. That's a, 
totally different process from the original recording and mixing. It's literally just taking that stereo track and then polishing it until it's a diamond. Uh, it's, a, it's actually a very specific process. People get paid a hell of a lot of money for doing it. But to remaster everything is kind of funny because you're basically taking this recording and just screwing with it a little bit, playing with the tone a little bit is all the remastering. It's really, if you can take the original album and a remastered album and sit down and listen to them and tell me what the hell the difference is, good luck on you. Because it's... But remixing is a difference. Remixing right. is a whole different thing. That's actually changing yeah. levels of... Yeah, of, then you're of, taking the original multi-track recording, recording yeah. with all the individual drums broken down, the guitar, the bass, the vocals, everything's individual channels, and then you go in and you mix the levels of all those things together, yeah. apply effects here and there to give it a little reverb, echo, whatever the hell you want, and, and then mix all that down into a stereo package, and then send it off to another guy to master it. Um, that's a whole different world, yeah. But remaster means, it means shit. And I don't work that deep in the industry. Obviously, I'm, it's not the industry I make my living in. I wish it was, but uh, I can imagine these guys really don't do a damn thing and just say it's remastered and put in a new package and sell it to you for 50 freaking dollars to replace the a album. A lot of them are bought. doing that nowadays. I mean, well, money. Rush does that. Money. I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're remastered or if they're remixed. I know uh, Vapor Trails when it first came out got a lot of uh, heat because of the way it sounded. It was muddy sounding, and people complained about the sound of Vapor Trails a lot. And they remixed it several years later, sure. and put out another version of Vapor Trails. And you you play it, and I, and I was I had both. I had both yeah. CDs, and that was. I'm like I'm. I'm curious what the difference, and I would play the unremastered unremixed one, and then I play the remixed one, and you can hear a yeah. brightness and a clarity yeah. to this to the second Remixed. one that you didn't hear in the first one. I'm like, all right, yeah, this is much better. Yeah, whoever mastered the original copy. Uh, There's a guy named Stephen Wilson who did, who did all, almost all the early, early Jethro Tull albums, oh. and he did oh, yeah. uh, um, Aqualung. Aqualung. And if you listen to the two the different versions, there. There's a difference. You can you can yeah. hear it, but but a lot of the remaster. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm with you. I'm like the term remastered is just we want to sell difference. some more stuff and we're yeah. gonna call it something <laughs> so you pay us a bunch of money. And then they, then they put money. in a nice little package with yeah. a little you know stuff in it for you. It doesn't Ooh, fit you. I got this new package. I'm gonna put it on my wall. Yeah. Yeah. A little poster. Yeah. yeah. You know, like a Cheech and Chong album, maybe something to roll right. a big joint over. <laughs> I have the records. They're all hanging on the wall. I have respect for those guys. Cheech and Chong. Yeah. I like that. Lots I like that stuff. paper. That was pretty amazing what you could do with that. Yeah. Of course, not with the shit they sell nowadays. That thing would kill you. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys uh, get into Chris Stapleton, Jelly Roll, any of those uh, guys that kind of do uh, I'm all right with concentrate them. on their vocals more? Um, I'm only familiar with Chris Stapleton because of uh, Tennessee Whiskey. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Which is funny because it wasn't it was written a long time ago. No, it wasn't his song. <laughs> You're right. It's not his song. But, but it's, that's, that's it's my his only, voice. That, yeah. He's got a great voice, but I'm not a big... I don't, I don't follow him. No. I, I, he's I, not my guy. I love really good vocals. I think we talked about sure. it earlier. I was playing something with this woman who had uh, performed at a show I did recently. You know, obviously... Any talent, you're a vocalist, a guitar player, a drummer, a bass player, we're a vocalist. And vocalist, serious vocalist, really oftentimes aren't tied to a specific type of music. They're willing to, anything that challenges Explore. them vocally gives yes. them something to do. So you have a lot of people like that. I mean, Whitney Houston and 
people like that. They they did all kinds of different styles of music. Oh yeah. Uh, they just wanted something to sing to, to sing to to present their their vocal talent. And so and I respect that a lot. But I'm a guitar player and I love guitar. <laughs> uh, I know there's drummers back there. But uh, I don't know who the fuck they are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll know when they screw up. <laughs> you know, bass player. That's the guy in the little, back. The quiet guy. Know, you know, the best drummer. I, actually, I was I was kind of given a compliment by a guy one time that I, I, I best appreciate you when I don't notice you. Yeah, there is you know, truth. You're, in you're on just time. The time, and you're solid. You're rock solid. Yeah. You're in the pocket. Um, it's it's if you get off, mm-hmm. you know, or you speed up or slow down or, or your timing gets off. That's when you get really noticed yeah. the most. And they never know that it's really the bass player's fault. <laughs> well, that's why it's not. There's plenty of arguments for it's all that. It's I'm like joking. the bass player thing. You say you rarely ever really really notice the bass player because you're yeah. not supposed to. That's the backbone of it. It's mm-hmm. the it's like the the, the azel that the shit is written on. Yeah. Uh, However, there are exceptions. And then, again, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier about listening to music where you sit down, close your eyes, and focus and pay attention to what's going on in the album. Yeah. You know, if you listen to Black Sabbath for the first time and you hear this rocking song and you hear Ozzy's voice out there and you hear the guitar, probably don't notice the bass and the drums mm-hmm. all that much. You know, they're there. They're, 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 they're the canvas on which upon the music is written. But you just don't really notice it unless you stop and focus on it and yes. when you focus on it Geezer Butler was fucking amazing Badass. that dude was doing incredible shit oh, back there yeah. the rhythm yeah. section of yeah. Black Sabbath does it's not get the credit they deserve uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, that's, drummer, for me yeah. that's all I focus yeah. on is the rhythm section you, of, you, you mentioned yeah. John Entwistle uh, I met yeah, John yeah, Entwistle yeah. at uh, a NAMM show really? earlier, along with uh, they were doing Sun Amp demos it was Sun him and uh, Ted Nugent yeah, which Ted Nugent was a fucking asshole at the time, as I recall. But uh, John Entz was a fucking amazing guy. Oh my god, that guy was good. Really super nice dude. Uh, most people are though. I mean, fuck, it's just like I said. Unless you focus on it, you, a lot of times you miss it. And there, there's so many incredible bass players that don't get a lot of recognition because they're not out in front. Mm-hmm. Getty Lee, everybody knows about because he's mm-hmm. out in front. It's three piece yeah. band. You can't miss the bass. I mean, it's a yeah. huge part of the music. But when you listen to, uh, well, Sabbath or Zeppelin or any of these bands, The Who, and yeah. you listen to the music, you hear the guitar and you hear the voice, but you have to actually focus to hear the rest of it. And that's when you realize, oh, my God, this dude's doing all kinds of crazy-ass shit back there. And it's amazing. Uh, you just have to, most people wouldn't know who the hell they were. We couldn't tell you the name of that guy because, well, it's the guy in the back. You know yeah, the it's just the guy in the back. Yeah. <laughs> but, we'll do one last question. Huh? One last question. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted the younger generation to listen to somebody, who would it be? I always fall back to Rush. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to say Rush. You're going to say Rush? Yeah, I have to. Okay. <laughs> That's my band. All right. So I'm going to have to say Rush. Tom? It's tough. It is very tough. Because I'm thinking of somebody that would influence them nowadays. Yeah. Not somebody that would influence them in my day. No. And I have a really hard time trying to think of who I would like for them to hear. I mean, there's so many people 
from my day that were influential to me. Um, somebody that's doing stuff right now that would be very influential and, and productive for them to listen to is a very difficult question to answer. Hmm. I hate to say that's, that. What that's about why I took the easy way out and said rush. Could you describe a year? Because it is hard. Like I, a year? No, I, I like don't want to do that no. because I don't want to limit. dissuade or limit no. them from shit that's going on right now that's really good and, and them not have the opportunity. Because they don't have the opportunity to listen to people. Most of, most of the guys that I listen to are dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, the ones YouTube that I really and, like. And all this stuff keeps yeah. them alive. And they they can, can, yeah, that's, that's a very yeah. true thing. I mean, I would throw Led Zeppelin out there. Listen to Led Zeppelin. Oh, you know? if you're a drummer, so I, many, I'd listen to Bonzo. Yeah. He's one of the best so many. drummers. I mean, kit drummers. I, I don't consider Neil Peart a kit drummer. He's a percussionist. He's a percussionist. In my opinion. Ringo uh, Starr. Ringo Starr was actually the, quite good. The best person at times <laughs> that anybody in that time frame was. He no. was the best at. He was a professional. He did exactly what he needed he to do. He did exactly what they he asked him to do and he, and he played for what he played for and was perfect every time he did it. But as far as an influence today I mean all I can all I can say is if you really want to just be true to yourself and, and, and try to, um, I really don't know what to say. Do the best that you can at what you want to do and go back as far as you can. Don't limit yourself on what you listen to. Be open-minded. Mm -hmm. Be very open-minded. Go as far back as you can to find out who those... And as wide as you can. Robert Johnsons were. Mm -hmm. All these people that came way before you and way before the people that were before you. And and don't be limited. Always be open-minded and uh, take your time. Yeah. Find something that you really like, groove to it, and keep going. Yeah. It, it takes a lot to not do what everybody else is doing. <laughs> Dave? Everything he just said, plus... <laughs> Ditto. Going back to the to the question, what what's the original question? If I so were the original show, question is if you were talking to the younger generation that's now, so uh, some so, twenty year old. So I got some twenty year old. We're gonna listen to some music, and I'm gonna show him something I think that will impress him and expand his knowledge of music. Yeah. First off, I gotta chain the little bastard down because <laughs> you, you gotta take his phone away. Yeah, I gotta take the phone away because he's, he's not gonna sit still yeah. long enough to hear what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> and then everything he just said because music. I think the biggest problem, and it took me years to learn, is that music now, before, way the hell back when, it's music. And you listen to 30s freaking swing jazz, and you think, oh, that's just old music. Yeah, shut the hell up and just listen to it. Those people weren't old when they were doing that. They were yeah. freaking 20 years old. They were, yeah. they were doing shit that nobody had ever done before. In fact, they were more original than any freaking band today. Yeah. And... You know, sit there and listen to it and appreciate it and understand it. You know, try a little bit of everything. Like you said, like again, like you said, don't get so stuck on one thing. Well, I can only listen to punk rock or only listen to death metal. Listen to all of it. I mean, there's beauty everywhere. It doesn't, you know, you'll find some things you don't really like that much, but you're going to find a lot of things you do. 
but you won't find them if you don't look. If you get stuck in the, what my friends listen to, yeah. and that's all you listen to, well, then you're never going to really appreciate and understand and enjoy music because you're too worried about impressing your friends with what you're listening to rather than just going out and listening to stuff and finding yeah. the stuff that, that works for you because everybody has different tastes. Everybody has different wants and desires. So until you go out and explore it, you're not going to find it. So yeah. you're just going to be trying to impress your friends. Well, I listen to Justin Bieber because <laughs> he's really cool. Really <laughs> cool. <laughs> Megan the Stallion. Man, now I feel like I took the cop out with it. <laughs> I just said rush. So, so who would I recommend? <laughs> no, but you guys. Bob Wells and the Texas Playboys. Highly recommend. Uh, Texas Playboys. I knew a guy that used to play for them. His name was, um, oh goodness, uh, Paul Buskirk. Okay. I wanted to put this in the podcast. You might want to wait for, for another day because it might take some time. When I was a little kid, I'm, I'm just going to start. When I was a little kid, my, uh, my best friend's dad made all his own instruments. Made them? Made them. His name is Rick Fail. He played at a uh, club called the, uh, golly, it was on Galveston Bay on a pier and I can't remember the name of the place, but he made all of his own instruments. He was a fantastic musician, and there was only one other lady. She did all the singing. He had all the instruments. Rick Fell did. And uh, it, like I said, this, this is a long story, so I don't want to take all the time. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's amazing what his father, Rick, uh, my friend's name was Brian Fell. His dad was Rick Fell. Mm. He made this instrument called a pedaband. And a pedaband, at the time frame, there was nine of them that worked in the world. And he, he got them, he got himself one. He bought it off of, back then, what was called eBay. Uh, this is in the 70s. And he, uh, he, he, um, made a form of it and, out of fiberglass, and he got all this electronics put into it, and he has the guy from NASA to put this different electronic stuff into it so that it would work with a drum machine. And Rick played banjo, banjoline, guitar. Everybody thinks that a banjoline is not what it is. A banjoline, there's, there's two different banjolines. There's one that has a guitar neck and a banjo body and the opposite okay there's two different kinds but you see like when uh, who was it it was Joe Satriani played a banjoline on uh, uh, MTV yeah okay it wasn't a banjoline I saw that it wasn't a banjoline it was it was a a, 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 just a basically guitar with a banjo body wasn't exactly the same thing but anyway when he did all this stuff, this is a very long time ago, that was my very first influence in music. He, Brian's father, Rick Fell, took me to a place called Shakey's Pizza, okay? And we watched these two people play. And one of them played for the Texas uh, Cowboys? Playboys. He, he, Playboys. Mm. Uh, he was, he was a, a banjo player. His name was Paul Buskirk. Okay, the other guy who played all of the, the, the instruments behind him, his name was Joe Lynch. 
He played the clarinet like a motherfucker. And he played saxophone and all this other stuff. That was my introduction to music live. That was the very first time I heard anybody play live like that. And it was just, it blew my mind. It really did. I mean, I, I'd never think I would ever hear anything like that before, you know, and, and I, I was hearing it at Shakey's Pizza, and this is on Telephone Road in Houston, Texas, and uh, it was just something I'd, I'd never deal with, and that was what really got me into the instrumental part and playing part of even rock and roll today, you know, to what, what I play and what I listen to. It, it, it changed my life. It really did. And what's really funny about that was... Maybe the man I am today. <laughs> well, it didn't. It didn't at all. But I went to the bookstore in the mall in, in Hanford. And I was looking through the books. And I found one that had a whole bunch of Les Pauls and all this other shit in it. All these guitar stuff. And I'm looking through it and looking through it. And I see this mandolin. It's a 12-string it's a mandolin. And, and I'm looking at him like, that's a Fender. And it's, why, why did the guy put his fucking name on it? And I read the name, and it was Paul Buskirk. I'm like, holy shit, I know that guy. <laughs> it just tripped me out. I, I couldn't believe that I knew whose name that was on that machine in this book. It just tripped me out. Well, you guys have been talking a lot, and hopefully the younger generation kind of listens to and starts Googling all the people that you guys have been talking about. I appreciate the conversation, gentlemen. It was awesome. Thank you. I had had a blast. I had a blast. All right. Uh, Talk to you guys later. Later. Well, that's it for now. I want to be clear on something. No one person grows up the same. Everyone has their own opinion and how they come up with it. That's why I started this, so that I can understand you and your guide to your path. If we all have different strengths, then maybe, just maybe, we can learn from each other.